Hello, friends, and welcome to Tell Us More, a podcast from Lake Forest Church Westlake, all about the messages that we hear each and every week. I am your host, Nathan Story. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. And with me this week are Cesar Guerrero and Pastor Mitch White. Hey, guys. What up? Hey there. Uh, so Mitch came over to Westlake and preached for us in our second week of our Advent series, Gift of Hope. And so we're going to talk to Mitch today about the process of forming that message and how that felt, what that experience was like, and why he likes Westlake a whole lot better than any other uh, Lake Forest church, right? Can I get an amen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but thank, uh, Mitch, thanks for coming back and, and joining us, man. Absolutely. I always love being with you guys. So I was I actually love- telling telling Caesar the other day how much I enjoy y'all's partnership in this podcast and Great. Uh, and just love being a part of it. Well, good. This has been, you know, kind of new for us. We've done this for a number of months now all through, you know, because in the middle of a pandemic, it's always good to start new things. Uh, that's what you yeah. want to do. <laughs> Without it, kind of, it really was born out of the necessity of, of trying to find ways to connect with our people in a time where we're all so different and distant. I mean, and uh, it's good to hear that it's been a good experience for our guests. So thanks for that, Mitch. But why don't you get into it? Why don't you tell us a little bit about... Um, forming this message and, and talking about hope in the middle of 2020, not the middle, almost the end of 2020, I guess. <laughs> thank goodness. Um, and, and yeah, what that was like, how did you go about forming this message for us? Yeah. So the, I was um, actually for this one, I was asked to at our Huntersville campus to open up the series on hope. Mm. And so this was a sermon that I actually preached at Huntersville first, yeah, uh, to, to a degree, and so for that one, it was really okay. What is what is a message of hope? And as the passage came to life for me, it was really, uh, especially I was targeting the the woman who had been bleeding for twelve years, mm. and as I dug into that passage, it really, uh, honestly, for the first time. I noticed that there were actually three different situations uh, where opportunity of giving up hope had um, had a, a, had come out of that passage. So it was kind of actually for me, it was a brand new insight into this passage. And so as I began to write it, I actually changed the title to it um, for Huntersville and said, "I'm going to do this one on uh, hope for those who've just given up." Mm. And it really, it really, that came out of just studying the passage. Um, then as I preached it at Huntersville it was interesting because I preached it differently at Westlake because as I preached it at Huntersville, the real emphasis was the three statements that Jesus makes. Mm. Uh, and so I decided to change it for Westlake and just saying, uh, to folks, look, I'm going to, I'm going to give you three statements that Jesus makes. And maybe one of these is all you need to hear. Mm-hmm. So I actually put a lot more emphasis at Westlake on paying attention to these three statements. Okay. Uh, as I preached it at, as I preached it at Huntersville, the three statements just kind of came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was a, it was definitely one of those passages for me that as I was preparing for it, it took a lot of shape. And then even as I preached it once and came back over, preached it again, it even took a lot more shape. Yeah, that's always fascinating to me and a, you know, and a great kind of interesting thing to hear as, as you guys preach at different places, the same message sometimes, you know, how, how does a message change? And 
sometimes God does that, right? Sometimes he whispers yeah. to a, a different word to a, for a, to a different place. That That's kind of, that's fascinating to hear. Yeah, it is. And, and also uh, at Huntersville, I was given a Christmas challenge, so I couldn't use that same challenge at uh, Westlake. So instead, I got to pick on you guys about your house and, and your yeah. the lights in your house, or the for Caesar the toilet paper all over his house. That was yeah. such a good intro. That really, I was like, where is he going with this? This is yeah. <laughs> well, I made your slides that week, and I'm like seeing the pictures of all the different you know houses, and of course the lights on all the different houses. I'm like, what is he? What is he to talk about? Because um, you did something similar, I think, um, last time you were here. Or I think someone had done something very similar where it was like, these are the different lights of people uh-huh. who normally <laughs> decorate. Like these are the, these are the, the different types of people who decorate their houses. So I wasn't right. expecting you to, to categorize yeah. as, as the different staff members. Really, really yeah. good. Well, the funny thing well, is, and I think we mentioned this when you were on the show before, Mitch, but we live in the same neighborhood, you and I. And yeah. so I'm sitting there thinking for a second, well, he very easily has access to my house because we live <laughs> in the same neighborhood. And then as soon as you threw up those, I was like, oh, this is this is kind of a bit. This is going somewhere yeah. else. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Mainly because you saw that house and you went, boy, I wish that were my house. That's, <laughs> yeah. not, that's not my house. And now, now, here's the other part that's interesting about that. It, it's also during a time when we're in a pandemic and a lot of people are not in person, Mm -hmm. they don't get to see who all the staff are. So it really was, to be honest, it was a, it was a little bit of way of also saying to those who are new to Lake Forest, here are the staff. Mm -hmm. This is their names. This is what they're responsible for. I love that. And so there actually was a purposefulness behind that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's uh, what a clever way to do that. that's so cool, Mitch. I, Another funny anecdote about that intro, though, I was talking to Beverly, our children's ministry coordinator, yesterday, and she had uh, she didn't realize what was going on. You know, she's out in the, the classrooms doing stuff with kids. She hadn't heard the message yet, and one of the kids came up to, up to, up to her after the uh, first service and said, "Miss Beverly, is that really what your house looks like?" It's just you have no <laughs> idea why in the world, uh, you know, one of our our Kidropolis kids was was asking what her house looks like, and then she said, "Of course, they got out all the uh, blow up, you know, Christmas stuff and." And uh, their house actually looked fairly similar uh, after the mm. fact to what you, you had posted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was a fun, fun little idea. And then also just to get into this thing about hope. Yeah, that was great. Uh, I'm so, I think the, the story of um, the woman touching the hem of Jesus' cloak is such an interesting story because, you know, you, we see Jesus perform miracles all the time in, in scriptures. We read that story, but that one, is so fascinating in an instance just because it's like you don't often he- i think this is probably the only instance you guys might know a diff- can think of a different one where jesus is just kind of emanating this like power mm-hmm. <laughs> and and we can even apply that to to kind of the whole theme of the day where you know there's there's power in just believing in jesus is who he says he is right and just yeah. giving giving uh, us hope but I think that's, is there any other instance that you guys can think of where Jesus is just being powerful by just existing almost like a, a superhero in a way? It's just, it's just kind of a strange and interesting story to me that just yeah. touching and being the presence of Jesus physically changed this woman. I thought that was crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What well, the other one I think of is when, um, you know, he spits uh, 
most of the time he uses other elements. Um, yeah. So like he spits in the dirt, he makes mud. And so his power even comes through um, what he touches, not only what others might touch. And so, so that's, you know, there, it's just interesting that his, his power is not limited to whether it's physically his hand on you or not. Um, yeah. But the, yeah. the other part about that passage, which I find uh, very intriguing is I, I know somebody touched me because uh, the, my spirit mm. um, was released. Um, and so, so that was, that's just a fascinating thing to think about that. I'm not just fixing a person's body, yeah. but the spirit of healing is being released from me into this person. Mm. And boy, you can take that in lots of, lots of places that um, just in what I do of sitting with people that it's not just a physical healing, but how do we release the spirit of God into a person's healing? Uh, and that's just powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's so interesting about that too, you mentioned, you know, Jesus being active in in someone's healing, that story that you preached on and what you just said is that he's being passive in this, in this story Mm -hmm. that he didn't find this person. He didn't make a point to notice this person. Um, that person came to him and kind of snuck it, snuck it away, almost like, you know, in, in a kind of um it's it's not sinister but it is a it, it is a hidden type way yeah and, uh, and for jesus to be like oh wait something just happened to me that's that's so weird yeah. nothing really and i think in the gospels nothing really just happens to jesus it's like right. jesus happening to other people mm-hmm. uh, so yeah that that is super interesting that you that you tease that out yeah, well, not you know, you think about the paralytic that he looks at and and he says, what do you want from me? He says, I want to be able to walk. And he says, well, get up. Now, he doesn't even touch him. Right. In <laughs> um, that part is. Uh, but even in that, it, you know, you're, it, it's interesting to think about, Nathan, with your question is, um, you know, when Jesus heals people, like in this one, Caesar, you're talking about, he realized that something was released from him, that he was like, oh, I got caught off surprise. Mm-hmm. But it it makes you wonder, is that the very thing he feels each time he heals somebody as well? Yeah. Just that, wait a minute, I know something just happened because this only happens when I heal. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, yeah, so it's intriguing. Um, and what's cool and how I think even in your sermon, the you said that you were trying to tease out the multiple things that Jesus says um, to people who've given up or have lost hope. What I love about this, this is kind of an underneath theme, is, is when you hear the whole sermon, and even if you read the different, like what you just said, the different moments where that special moment of Jesus' power being accessed, it's not a formula it's not the same way it doesn't happen yeah. the same way every time and i think sometimes we want to just be told hey what do i have to do in order to remedy this particular situation um mm-hmm. but like yeah in the different stories of jesus even in your own sermon you're like there's there's multiple things that could be happening in the midst of um a hard thing in your life <clears throat> Or, or you know, even if you've lost hope, you might have lost it in a different way than somebody mm-hmm. else. So there, there isn't yeah. this kind of 
cookie cutter answer to someone who needs hope. That's um, good. So interesting. Yeah. I also wonder too, if Jesus like really needed to take a nap after doing one of his miracles. <laughs> like the, yeah. full, fully God, fully man. Did the, the man side take over after the, the miracle? Was he just exhausted afterwards? <laughs> That's a that's you a very good question. I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes. I think um, so too. Just, just because it that's the excuse I give to people for when I take naps. <laughs> that, you know, when so Jesus much power has left your body. Uh, that. <laughs> that's right. When Jesus does this amount of work, he takes a nap. So I think I should too. So like is that why keep going is that it. why he was asleep on the boat in the middle of the storm? He was just so <laughs> out from yeah. the ministry he was doing <laughs> maybe well you know it's interesting uh there is the story of when jesus gets the uh, word that john the baptist has been uh beheaded mm. he then goes after getting that news that's when he feeds the five thousand and yeah and there's a, another miracle big miracle event that happens that same day and then it's after that, that he sends all the disciples to the other side of the lake and he goes up to the mountain to be with the Lord. Yeah. I think he's flat out worn out. I yeah. think he is. He has not had any time during the day to process that John the Baptist was just killed. Mm -hmm. He's moved in immediately to these miracles mm -hmm. and a lot of work. And I think he just said, I've got to get time by myself. Mm -hmm. um, and so I do believe there's a place of exhaustion for him there. Yeah. Wow. I've never thought of that before. What a, a neat kind of observation. Makes there. It even more relatable. Like what you were saying, we are done. You know, yeah. we don't have anything else left in us. Yeah. We know that Jesus was there too. Like we know mm -hmm. he's exhausted mm -hmm. the same way that we get exhausted. We, we get, we're just over it. That's a, that's a phrase. Yeah. Me and me and my wife use all the time. We're just over it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that's when we're just kind of like you know mentally unplugging you know from yeah the situation or something like that yeah so many interesting uh stories in, in jesus life so many you know minutes we could spend just talking about them mitch i'm curious you mentioned in your sermon the um the woman who touched jesus and was healed but you also spent a little time talking about um jairus daughter and i've always heard it jairus's daughter you said but you what how do you pronounce that i think you said Jairus? Uh, you know, it's the Southern version. Is it? It? <laughs> so it, may be, uh, it may be Jairus. And, uh, Jairus. Uh, that is a little Southern. You, know, yeah. <laughs> you, you say pecan, I say pecan. Yeah, so exactly. It's that thing. I have no idea which was correct. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, potato, potato, right? Exactly. That's right. Um, I'm curious though, as, as a, a preacher, what, you know, what prompts you to, to, to mention in a sermon more than one story because i like we were talking about all these stories of jesus's life are so fascinating um we could spend all day talking about one but what what prompts you to kind of add more examples of of the way jesus operated in his life and his ministry as opposed to just focusing on one yeah there are some places in scripture that you cannot speak to them separately the scriptures mm -hmm. force you um yeah so for for this one, there are a few elements in it. One is um, it sets up his daughter's situation sets up the crowd, so it yeah. that this woman has to move through. So you have to to bring that in there. Um, in the midst of him uh, urgently moving to heal the daughter, 
he stops. Um, mm-hmm. And why? Because somebody touched him. Uh, so there's something big going on. So it all fits in there. There's yeah, some other right. elements. Yeah. So there's some other elements with this and some of what I brought out in the three, the three statements of hope that he makes. But here's the other fascinating piece of it. <laughs> I don't think there's a disconnect. I think there's a lot behind and I haven't put all the thought through it. Here's a girl that we're introduced to right at the beginning of this story who was 12 years old. He has now stopped on the very day to go heal a girl who was born 12 years ago and a woman who's bleeding started the exact same time, 12 years. So I don't think scripture is, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think there's something there in that in this one day, this one event, he's dealing with two people that this number 12 um, bounces into. So some of the fascinating pieces of it, and it it actually, you know, in preparing this sermon, it's one of the few times this has really just popped out even to me and just spending 30 some years in scripture. I've been wrestling with Lord, why is this? And so I'm interested in doing some more research on it. But one of the things to notice is one reason they actually give that this woman could have been bleeding for these 12 years, this could have been caused Um, And it was a natural thing that could cause that women bleed for a long period of time, for years even, right after childbirth. Mm. So her bleeding could have actually been from giving childbirth. Uh, Mm. So we're not told whether she had a daughter who was 12 years old as well. We're not told any of that. But but it's just, there's a lot in there, I believe. But I don't Mm. think scripture separates it. So sometimes when you see that stuff, the story is meant to be told all together. Mm. So that's yeah. the part of it for me is there are too many elements around that story that you can't just tell the, the story of the woman hemorrhaging. You got to tell um, Jairus, Jairus, whatever his name, you got to tell his daughter, you got to tell guy. his story. And yeah. You got to tell that story with it. It yeah. all fits. How cool. How cool to see those, those things fit together. Well, so speaking of that, is there there anything else from any other examples from scripture that you considered uh, putting in this message that could have helped illustrate the points? Is there anything you left on the cutting room floor that you didn't quite get to? Yeah, no, on this one, I think I I grabbed, um, especially when I got into the um, practical applications of it. This story doesn't necessarily give real practical. Um, It gives the question or the statement from Jesus, but it doesn't give the practical. So what do I do if I've given up? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's where I turn to other scripture. Okay. Here's a practical step out Mm. of here. This is what you've got to do. If you've given up, you've got to take this step. And that's where scripture does other scriptures come to life and giving us the practical. How do I, how do I take the next step if I've given up? Mm. Yeah. So that's kind of where I've turned. So what is What about these two stories together that sets up even the question of what do I do when I when I've given up? Um, remind yeah. me, kind of, of that in the, in those two stories. Yeah. So you know, with this woman, it's hard for anybody. I mean, you look at different things in your life. You know, I look at some things in my own life that if it hasn't been solved or overcome 
over a period of time, you just kind of get to this place of going, this is the way I'm going to be the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And I just accept that and don't even, you just give up anything changing. Mm -hmm. That's this, that's where I look at anything that's been a part of your life for 12 years. That's where your mentality is going to go. I think we can always name that. Then the statement really stepped out for me was when, you know, Jesus is on the way to the house and Jairus's friends come and say, she's dead. You know, that's a giving up moment. Mm-hmm. That's just, it's over, it's done. And then their statement where they say to Jesus, don't bother him. Mm-hmm. Don't, there's nothing he can do about this. Mm. Um, and so I can't tell you the number of places I've sat with people who have had that mentality about their life, mm-hmm. that there's nothing Jesus could even do about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I step back and go, wait a minute, we're talking about God himself. You know, what do you mean? There's nothing else. Yeah. And sometimes that means he's not going to accomplish this in the way that I wanted him to. Yeah. But yeah. it, but it doesn't mean he's done. Uh, and so that's the part of being able to speak. So those were places um, for me that stood out of this question. Here are two situations where people have given up. And then when I looked at uh, his words to his daughter um, and to the people, she's just asleep. And then just being able to say to, to folks, my child, get up. That was the piece that kind of stood out to me in this one of, I think that's what people need to hear sometimes is have I given up or am I just tired? Am I just, is this part sleep? And I think we've all looked at places where we fought in our lives Mm -hmm. and okay, I'm willing to fight again, but I'm just worn out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm just worn out and boy, this COVID stuff doing that to all of us. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a place for all of us that I believe Jesus is looking at us and going, I know you're tired, get up. I need you to get up again. There was a moment. This is this. We were just me and my wife were talking about the sermon on our way back home after after church, and we were just kind of like sitting with it for a while. This kind of realization that the places places where we do give up isn't like a isn't a place of weakness. It's a place where we've just been strong for a really long time, and Mm -hmm. that we've run out. Right? It's, It's that we've we've been holding it together for a long time and we we don't have any more to give and i i loved our us even thinking about that because we were asking questions where do i really hold on strongly to areas where i feel like i have it or at least i should have the answers or i should have the solution yeah and uh Mm because maybe there's there's a, a giving up to Jesus that needs to happen <laughs> before I've exhausted myself yeah. uh, and yeah. how to how to almost preempt preempt some of those places of of giving up and uh, that's that's a powerful thing for us to to get over I think as a as a people as a western people as because there's a lot of pride there's a lot of uh kind of it's counterintuitive for us to want to show weakness, but, but in fact, you know, not many people would say this, uh, you know, admitting that you need help, admitting that you need Jesus or even that you need hope is, is actually, I would say it's strength, right? It's not yeah. weakness, but it's a, a taking that step to admitting that you need something or someone 
in Jesus. Yeah. You know, it, that's that's a, that's a hard and a, a a powerful step to make, right? That's that there's yeah. strength in that. Yeah, it or is and... where we've grown accustomed <laughs> to being the person who makes it happen. Yeah, well, like we're well, it's we're used to it. Yeah, and and Caesar, I think it's it's that whole question of Thy will be done. Mm. Um, normally it's they will be done because I've really exhausted mine and that's the only option I got now, mm. as opposed to before I go down the route of doing my will, how about thy will be done? Mm. But we, we tend to, all right, God, you got me. I'll turn it over to you because I have fully exhausted everything I can <laughs> right now, Yeah. as opposed to what does it mean for me to get into that mentality earlier mm. that I could go down this route but no, I'm going to lean in on you. Mm. So I got a question in that, uh, Caesar, for you is um, you, you usually say this about all of my sermons um, that, man, that was a really good sermon. Uh, <laughs> it was interesting, though, that in between uh, services, you actually came up to me and, and you made a point that I could tell that even in some of that um, the sermon stood out for you, but you, you made that statement, man, that was a really good sermon. What, what for you guys defines that was a good sermon? You know, you're asking, you know, you guys ask us as preachers, you know, how do we shape it, how to craft what's helpful for me as well as to hear, okay, what makes a good sermon to a listener? Uh, and so I'd love to, you know, just get your thoughts, you guys thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I think for me, it's a good sermon is one that um, forces you to consider something that you've been avoiding. Mm. Uh, and I, I think, and the reason why I really like this this past this past week, and honestly, I think since something something's been in the water <laughs> with our preachers because like the past, I think month. I think with the last series that we did, the God, the people of God yeah. series. And then this series have just been like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like week after week after week of, of me forced. And this, and this is something me and my wife do quite often. We, we just kind of reflect on, man, we've been avoiding this in ourselves, right? These conversations um, that the preachers bring up every week. Um, and so for this one, it was that kind of place of, of us realizing, oh, we, we've given up, but we haven't made the turn of giving up um, towards God. We've just mm -hmm. kind of said, oh, I'm just done with this. So, and I'm just going to let that, you know, die or whatever, you know, that, that habit of, of, of being like, ah, oh, well, if, if I can't do it, then maybe I shouldn't be doing it. Or, um, or maybe it's maybe this isn't my battle to fight you know maybe this isn't my thing but there's been a lot of um whether it be a social issue you know where we feel passionate about it one for a week um because something we've seen in the news or something's happening in our communities and then we just kind of get exhausted of of think emotionally exhausted of thinking about those things and then it we either become numb to it or we just forget about it hmm. um, and this this uh this sermon for both of us reminded us, Hey, there's a lot of things that you've given up on that. You just didn't even bother to give it to Jesus. You just said, mm -hmm. oh, if I can't handle it, then maybe it's not for me. 
And uh, yeah, so you weren't even thinking about bothering Jesus with it. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> yeah. then you get the place yeah. of, hey, faith is bothering Jesus. <laughs> mm. oh, um, yeah. And uh, and maybe you're not, Good. maybe you're That's not awesome. someone of faith if you aren't bothering Jesus. Yeah. Um, or, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I like to put it in those kinds of heavy terms because that's the only way I can get my own attention is by maybe you don't have faith. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's not that severe. But that is that's something that really resonated with me. Yeah. So and, and for me, I, I, I love seeing I love little moments in a, in a message that makes me take notice of the effort that a preacher has put into crafting the message. The 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 number 12 thing is a great example of that for me. Um, and I'm not sure if you mentioned that uh, on Sunday, but uh, even knowing now uh, kind of the, the thing that you noticed in the, in the text, Mitch makes me take notice even more and, and appreciate the work and the message that was brought to us. Um, and it's not that I'm, I'm this, you know, super learned Bible guy who's noticed every little detail about scripture, but what, right. what that communicates to me and makes me want to do when I, when I, I'm kind of blown away by a little detail like that in scripture is, is to take more notice because of the work that you guys have done to comb through God's mm -hmm. word for us in, yeah. in the Bible. And, and so I, I always love hearing little things like that. And, and it's, there's also a, you know, the work of the Holy spirit in that too, that is making you take notice of things kind of what Caesar's saying that of where in your life, you know, you, you need the word that you're hearing, <laughs> you know, yeah, this, amen. what, what amen. does, you know, what does the people of God, uh, what's, what's, the, uh, I'm going to butcher the question we always ask in our, our series planning stuff. What word of God does the people of God need to hear in this time? Is that, is that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and being one of those persons of God, one of those people of God, you know, I, I love it when it feels like that message was for me. I, in mm -hmm. fact, Aaron was, uh, was uh, mentioning this yesterday. He gets a text often from a ministry partner and it's kind of the same word every time. And this is so encouraging to hear uh, for him as a preacher. It's, man, that sermon was just for me. <laughs> I really needed to hear mm -hmm. that. And I think yeah. that that could be a good mark of a, of a message. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. That's helpful to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, one, one funny thing to, to comment on and, and then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up here, but uh, Mitch, we had to give you a little bit of a hard time uh, because we noticed that you were you were moving uh, into talking about Star Wars just a little bit, and we yes. thought, thought you might uh, might be trying to take over Aaron's Star yeah. Wars paradigm, or at or least trying, trying to be to relatable to Westlake because they hear Star yeah. Wars metaphors all the time. Gotcha. Well, kind of I, so we're I, on to you, buddy. We're on to well, you. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> My saving grace is I used it at Huntersville too. Okay, uh, and, okay. Uh, so All it right. wasn't it wasn't that, but but what's funny is it didn't go over very well in Huntersville. So I was thinking about dropping it, but evidently the spirit of God knew that Westlake talked <laughs> yes. Star Wars. Well, we'll go we'll go to the videotape. We'll see if that's accurate that you actually used that that metaphor in Huntersville. We'll that's have to right. do research there, but. I just wanted to be sure that Aaron walked out saying, man, that sermon was for me. Well, Mitch, thanks so much for coming on to the, the show again. Uh, one fi final question. Um, if you would close our time together with just giving us the one takeaway that you would hope people would have from this sermon, what, what do you want people to kind of remember about this week 
and remember about uh, Jesus as our hope. Yeah, what would that be? Yeah, the 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 biggest uh, drive behind this one is for people just to hope again. Mm -hmm. uh, it it really is, and um, you know, you're you're never bothering Jesus. Jesus is never done. Um, I think we're done with the areas in our life that we want changed or fixed or healed far earlier than he's done. And I think this is the part that, you know, a woman who waited 12 years, a man whose daughter just died, uh, you know, whether I'm just tired, being able to engage with Jesus again and let him do his work. Uh, mm -hmm. So whether, whatever those, whether you're just tired because it just won't go away or it feels final or whatever that is, um, the presence of Jesus gives hope again. Mm. That's, that's what, um, that's what more than anything, I just wanted people to just grab a hold of and say, all right, let's, let's lean on Jesus on this. So good. A very timely message. The message I think we all need as we anticipate uh, the coming of baby Jesus here in our Advent season. Thank you, Mitch, for joining us again today. It's yeah, good to have you on the show guys. again. Yeah. Caesar, thank you for being here as well. Folks, that's all of our time for this week's episode of Tell Us More. Join us next week when we ask our pastors to explain their messages and tell us more. Goodbye. <laughs>